Well, I just want to say good morning to everybody, and I want to welcome you to this worship service today. And for all of those who are watching online, I want to welcome you, and I'm so thankful that you have joined us this morning to worship with us. We are in a series right now called Hey God, and we are asking the questions that Siri doesn't understand. And so in this series, we've been talking about things like, how do I get peace? How do I get strength? Last week, we focused on how do I forgive, and today we're going to talk about what is my purpose. Now, before we go any farther, I want to just begin by, by just saying to you is that, you know what, one of the things that I have learned that whenever the Holy Spirit moves in a service, whenever he moves in my heart, I have to be obedient to him. And so, I want to remind you that the Bible tells us that whenever God's word goes out, It never comes back void. It always accomplishes its purpose. That's why we gather, right? I hope and pray that you didn't come just expecting to go to a worship worship service and then leave the same. What we want to do is we want to come and we want to be transformed by the word of God. So I just want to say to you today is that at the end of this service, if the Holy Spirit is just pricking at your heart, Right outside our doors, as you enter, exit the sanctuary, we've got a place called the starting point. And we've got people who are going to be there, and they're going to they're wait for you, and they're going to want to meet with you, and they're going to answer your questions, and they're going to pray for you, and they're going to help you to get on that line, that path of becoming what God has called you to be. All right, now, as you can see, I brought all kinds of stuff with me this morning, and the reason is because I know that most of the time in messages, you remember maybe five or six percent of what I say. And I'm okay with that, that's right. But I also know that when you experience it and when you can match it up with, with something else, like an object lesson, you're gonna remember it more. And the reason I brought all of these things because I wanna drive home a message to you that God wants each of us to learn. And that is, is why you exist on the face of this earth. All right, now, I brought something with me that is one of my favorite things. It's Play-Doh. How many of you have ever played with Play-Doh before? Okay. You know what was really fun is that in first service, you know what we all came to the conclusion that Play-Doh was still around when we were kids. I mean, I can tell you right now is that if you come to our house and all of the grandkids are there at one time, at some point in time, isn't this true, the Play-Doh's coming out, okay? I always tell them, Lori, just make sure that there's plastic or something underneath it so it doesn't stick or, or all over the place. But, but Play-Doh is phenomenal. You know what I remember about Play-Doh? And I love this about it. I love the way it smells. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, I do. I, just, I can sit here all day and just smell it all day. But you know what? Isn't it amazing how Play-Doh comes in so many different colors? But you know, the thing I like about Play-Doh is, is there's so many things you can do with it. Man, you can smash it, right? And you can roll it, you know, and you can cut it. You can tear it apart. You can shape it. You can do whatever you want with it. And then when it's all over with, if you don't like it, you know what? You can smash it and start all over again, Right? So I just wanted you to know, and, and I wanted you to see how, um, how creative I am. Are you not impressed? Okay, now, I have to be really honest with you, because I can't lie up here, okay? I didn't make this. Okay, Joni Baskerville made it for me, but she said I could take credit for it, so I'm going to take credit for it. Anyway, 
but it isn't amazing what you can do with it. But when you're finished with it, you can do with it whatever you want. So here's what I want you to learn. The lesson of the Play-Doh is this. Is the Play-Doh will become whatever the sculptor wants it to be, right? In the Old Testament, there was a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. How many of you have heard of him before? Okay. Jeremiah, one day, the Lord comes to him and the Lord gives him a word. This is what the Lord says to him. He says, Jeremiah, he says, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And when you get there, I want you to watch. And I have a message for you. Let's pick up the story and let's see what happens here. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me and said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you in my hand, so are you in my hand, Israel. Now I want you to know that this message that God gave to Israel is also a message that he gives to each of us. And the question that we're asking today is, why am I here? What's my purpose? What did God put me on this earth for? And so God tells Jeremiah, here's where we need to begin. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he begins to watch the potter. Now I just want you to think about this. Here's this potter, he's got his wheel, and he is forming and he is shaping a, a, a clay pot or whatever he's making. And as he makes it, God comes to Jeremiah and he tells him, he says, listen, Jeremiah, this is the message I have for you. If you want to be used by me, there's two things that you need to understand. And here's the first one. I went too far. You have to be moldable. I want you to think about that. I can do anything I want with this Play-Doh simply because the Play-Doh is moldable. You know how it stays moldable? I put it back in its container and it keeps the moisture in it, right? And as long as that moisture is in this Play-Doh, I can do whatever I want with it whenever I want. And here's what I want you to understand. This is what the Lord is saying to each of us. If you want to be used by the Lord God Almighty, you must be moldable. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Just like the Play-Doh, you have to yield everything in your life to him. You remain moldable by acknowledging to the Heavenly Father that your life is not your own that your body is not your own, that it was purchased with a price, and because of that, I yield my life to the Heavenly Father. So you have to be moldable. And then here's the second thing that we learn. You have to remain in the potter's hand. I want you to think about something, okay? So um, I I have a, a cup here, and in this cup, okay, I have a drink. And I want you to know that right now, that cup does me no good. You know when it does me good? When I pick it up. You see, that's what God is saying to us. 
He is saying to us, if you want to be used of me, you have to be moldable. You have to yield to me and my plan, and you have to remain in the potter's hands. If you want to know what your purpose in life is, this is the starting point. This is the foundation of where we begin. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I want to be used by you. I want my life to count for something. So this morning, show me through your word where I can begin to know my purpose and your plan for my life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So the big question that everybody wants to know is, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? Many of you I've heard say that. In fact, maybe there's some of you here that have gone through some health issues, or maybe you've gotten a diagnosis that you never thought you were going to get, or, or maybe you've lost a loved one, and your thinking is, is I want to be with my loved one. Why does God have me here? You know what? You're asking the same thing as what our question is today. What is my purpose? What is my reason for living? What is it that God wants to do with me? But here's the thing that I've learned in my life. If you want to know the answer to a question, you know what matters the most? That you're asking the right question. And that's where I want to begin this morning. We've got to begin by asking God the right question in order for us to get the right answer. And the right question is not, what is God's purpose for my life? Excuse me, the, 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 the right question is not, what is my purpose in this life, but the question that we want to ask this is, what is God's purpose for me in this life and in this world, right? And as we begin there, now we can begin to unfold and pare off the layers and understand why is it that God has me on this earth? So how we begin is this. We're going to go to a study that was done by a group of theologians many, many years ago. It's called the Doctrine of Man. This study, in fact, in this study, they asked the question, why is it that God created human beings? I want you to think about this for a moment. God doesn't need us. Do you know, realize that? God doesn't need you. He doesn't me. If he needed us, he wouldn't be God, right? He doesn't need us. So why is it that God created human beings? That's the question that they studied. And you know what? They wrote the answer in the Westminster Catechism. What is the doctrine of man? Why did God create human beings? Here's the answer. The reason that God created you and me was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I want to say that again. You and I were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our primary purpose here on earth is to bring God glory and then we are to enjoy him for eternity in, a, in an incredible fellowship with him. 
That's why we have been created. So the question now becomes, okay, if this is how I am to live, if I am to glorify God and enjoy him forever, then how do I do that? Here's how you do it. Every morning when you wake up, when you throw your legs over the edge of the bed, the very first question that you need to ask is this, Father, what is it that I can do today to bring glory to your name? Father, what is it in my life? How do you want to use my life today? You know my plans. You know my calendar. You know my schedule. But Lord, I want to offer my calendar. I want to offer my, cal- my schedule to you. What is it that you want to do in my life today that's going to bring you glory? That's the question that we need to ask. So how do we do that? Well, let me show you a real simple way to do it because it's not hard. I want you to look at this scripture verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at what it says. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So here's what the Bible tells us. You and I, through something as simple as eating and drinking, by the way we do it, we can bring glory to God. You know what? I want to know about that. I want to know more about that. Now this scripture verse that Paul is reading, is talking to is this, is here's what he's saying. You see, there was a problem going on amongst the people, and some of the people were offended, and here's why they were offended when they were eating and drinking. You see, there were a group of people that believed in idols. They believed in these false gods, and so what they would do is they would dedicate this food to idols. Now, Paul tells us that, you know what, we know as believers, we know that there, there are, is no such thing as false gods. There's only one God, and it's the creator of the universe. So whether the food is dedicated to an idol or not for a believer, it doesn't make any difference because we know there's only one God. However, this is what Paul says. If you sit down at a meal, and you're sitting with a brother or a sister who maybe doesn't have the spiritual maturity that you have, And they look at this meal and they see that you're eating food that they know was dedicated to an idol. Then Paul says, then the way you bring glory to God is you don't eat of that meal. So today, here's how that would look. Maybe you go out to a restaurant and you're with a group of friends And maybe there's a new couple that's there, and you're not sure where they are in their belief system, but what you don't know is they are totally against drinking. And you know why? Because someone in their household was an alcoholic. And you decide, you know what, I think I'm going to order a glass of wine. You know what God would say to the way that you could bring him glory? Don't order the wine. Why? Because don't offend a brother or sister. And as you do that, you will bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Here's another way. Mm. Can you get a close-up of that? How about this, okay? I'm going to hold it. Everybody see that? All right, good enough. Here's what I want you to understand, okay? I got to be really honest with you. In first service, I brought this out, this cinnamon roll. Remember, we're known for our cinnamon rolls, in case you didn't know. I brought this, I didn't have a cinnamon roll, and I just talked about it. And the more I talked about it, I started, man, the saliva started flowing. And I'm telling you, you know what I decided in between services? I'm using the real thing for second service, okay? 
I got to confess, I went and got the real thing. I ate it in my office and somebody had to get me a different one, okay? All right, so now we are where we are. Man, these things are good. But here's what I want you to understand. The Bible tells us just by the way we glorify God, we can glorify him by the way we eat. And here's what I mean by that. It doesn't mean necessarily that we have to pray before our meal, although I think that's something really good to do. But here's what it means. As I look at this, as I look at this cinnamon roll, I'm amazed at the presentation. Man, it looks really good. It looks like something that I would want to eat. Maybe you wouldn't want to eat it. Maybe you would just want a bite. But this looks like something that I would want to eat. And as I cut into it, I'm recognizing, you know what? This is something that somebody took the time to make. And wow, man, they really did a good job. They're using their, their gifts to glorify God. And man, it's got, the, the, it's got all the, the frosting and everything on it. And you know what? Mmm. Mmm. I'm telling you. Mmm. Excuse me a minute. But as I eat this, I'm in real trouble now because I've got a wad in my mouth and I've got to preach. But as I eat this, you know what? I'm just reminded that there's a God. And God creates people to use their gifts and they use their gift to make this cinnamon roll of which I have the ability and the blessing to partake of. And you know what? I'm just thankful. All right. Well, you got to take that because I'll take another bite. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you. I thought I almost spit out everything I think of. But that's how simple it is to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. You know, all I simply did was I recognized that there is a God and that He exists. And as I recognized him, I thanked him for his blessing in my life. And you know what? Guess what happened? He got the glory. That's the way God wants us to live our lives. All right, now I'm going to jump ahead to something else. I want you just to hang with me, okay? In John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus is having a very intimate discussion with his disciples, okay? But after Jesus was crucified, the disciples were a mess, remember? After they had seen Jesus and Peter had seen enough, what he decided to do is he decides to go fishing. Let's pick up the story here. Early in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. I just want you to think about this for a minute. These guys have been through the ringer and they were heartbroken because Jesus had been crucified And they had now seen him, but their heads are still spinning. And now they're out fishing. They went back to what they know to do best. And here they are. They're in the boat. Peter is working his tail off. And all of a sudden, he hears John say, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. Now look what happens here. 
As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Here's my question for you this morning, and then we're going to come back to this later on. Why is it that Peter didn't recognize Jesus? That's what I want to know the answer to. Why is it that John recognized him and Peter didn't? Wasn't Peter the disciple that's always mentioned first in the Bible? Isn't Peter the one that said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God? Isn't Peter the one that Jesus said, Peter, upon that confession, I will build my church, for your name is Rock. Isn't that the guy? Then why is it that Peter, the number one disciple, why didn't he recognize Jesus? We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Let's go to John chapter 15. And look at what Jesus says here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Okay, so let's remember real quickly, what did Jesus just say here? Here's what he said. He said, if you don't bear fruit, he cuts you off. If you do bear fruit, he prunes you so you bear more fruit. Okay, let's go on. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. Sometimes in your Bible it may say abide in me. It means the same thing. Stay connected. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." I want to remind you real quickly about what the scripture verse just said. Here's what it said. It said that you and I were created to bear fruit. When we bear fruit, we bring glory to God's name. But it's not just fruit that God wants us to bear, it's much fruit. When you and I bear much fruit, guess what? We bring glory to his name. Now, what's that fruit that I need to bear? What does that look like? It's real simple. It's anything that makes you look like Jesus. It could be your Christian character. It could be your Christian actions. It could be the fact that you share somebody else, you share with someone else Jesus Christ. It simply means that whatever you do in your life, when you look like Jesus, that's what it means to bear fruit. So it could look like this. Maybe you're patient with someone. Maybe you're driving on the highway and you allow someone to cut in front of you. You know what? That's bearing fruit. Maybe it's being patient with someone that has not been patient with you. That's bearing fruit. Maybe it's forgiving somebody or forgiving somebody that doesn't deserve your forgiveness. That's bearing fruit. It's anything that makes you look like Jesus. Do you remember in the story of Acts Peter and John are walking to the temple, and as they get to the temple, the Bible tells us that there was a beggar that was sitting there. Remember the story? 
and the beggar made eye contact with him, thinking, oh, I'm going to get some money, right? But Peter looks at him in the eye, and he says, gold and silver I don't have, but what I have I give you. And then he says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the one who has risen from the dead, stand up and walk. And he did. There was a miracle there. The Sanhedrin didn't like that. So they brought Peter and John in before them. And do you remember what happened? The Bible tells us that as the Sanhedrin looked at them, they saw these uneducated men, but they saw their boldness. And they thought to themselves, these men have been with Jesus. That's what it means to glorify God whenever you look like Jesus. All right, now I want to drive this home, and I brought a plant with me, okay? Isn't that a beautiful rose bush? It's got several flowers on it. They're absolutely beautiful. It's nice and green. And you know what? You can't have it. It's for my wife because I'm in the doghouse. Okay. Now here's what I want you to understand. In the passage that we just read in John 15, the Bible says, that's you and that's me. There's a vine, and everything is attached to the vine. And I want you to know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the vine. So what that means is that everything that flows through the vine is what's responsible for everything that's produced in the flower. Jesus is the only thing that produces everything in this rose bush. The same is true in your life. Jesus is the only thing that produces everything in your life. Not you, the vine. The Bible also tells us that we're the branches. And if the branches stay, remain connected to the vine, as that life, that sap runs through the vine and into the branches, the result is always fruit. Remember, this is what brings God the glory. And not just this, but all of this is what brings God the glory. Your job and my job is to do one thing. Stay connected to the vine. Right? Think about this. If I stay connected to the vine, the sap runs through the branch and we have fruit. Okay, now, I want you to look at this fruit. Isn't it spectacular? It's beautiful, isn't it? We give it to people. We, we share flowers. We, it, it, we use it to show our love. We give it when people have lost a loved one. But flowers are important. Why? Because of their beauty. Now, here's what I want you to know. This rose here has never at one time said to the vine, would somebody please tell me why I'm here? Right? This rose does not speak to the vine. It just simply exists. So how does the rose become so beautiful? It's connected to the vine. And my dear friends in Christ, what I want you to know, when you talk about, so why am I here on this earth? 
What is my purpose? What is it that God wants me to do? You are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But the way you glorify God is you bear fruit. And not just fruit, but much fruit. And the way you bear much fruit is you stay connected to the vine. Now I want you to think about something here. I brought a scissors with me. And I'm just going to go over to this branch here. I'm going to cut it off. Here it is. Looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Doesn't it look beautiful? What's going to happen to this branch? It's going to die, isn't it? It may look nice now, but I guarantee you tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, this branch is looking to be, look horrible. It's going to die. Can you please tell me why did this branch die? Because it's no longer connected to the vine. You see, that's what Jesus is wanting us to learn. That's what he's telling his disciples, and that's what he's telling us here today. If you want to be used of God, if you want to have a purpose, then don't get cut away. You know why? Because this is Satan's goal. Goal wants, Satan's goal is to remove you from the vine. He does that by distracting you. He throws all kinds of things in your life. He wants you to be thinking about other things. Why? Because then you're not connected to the vine. And he knows that the more that he can keep you away from the vine, the more that he can keep that, that sap from flowing through you, guess what? You're going to die. So I want you to look at something here. Here it is. Look at this scripture verse here. Galatians 2.20, this is my life verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what I want you to understand about what this Bible verse is saying. This Bible verse says, I am no longer going to live in control of my life because my life does not belong to me. My life belongs to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He purchased my life. He purchased my body on the cross. It's no longer mine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stay and I'm going to trust the sap, that living, that living sap that runs through me. I'm going to trust that sap in my life that's going to cause me to produce fruit. And as I produce fruit, those beautiful flowers, and not just fruit, but much fruit, I'm going to bring glory to my heavenly Father. All right, now, we're not quite done yet. The other thing that the Bible talked about was pruning. Pruning also means cutting away. So when I look at this flower here, okay, I'm looking, there was a bud this morning and I cut it off. But here's what I learned. Here, there was a bud that was here, Ah, here it is, right? Here's a new one. Ha ha. This flower has already bloomed. So does that mean that this, this, this bush, that this rose plant is done, done flowering here? Not at all. So here's what they told me to do. You go down to the nearest three leaves and you cut it off. Okay, so I cut off the, 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 the bud that was, had, has already bloomed. Now here's what I learned about this. The flower cannot bloom anymore because you know what this does? It blocks the sap. So here's what the Bible is telling us about this. 
God prunes everything in your life that blocks the sap from getting through so that you can bear fruit. You understand? Here's what I mean. Let's go back to Peter. Why didn't Peter recognize Jesus? Something blocked the sap. What was it? It was guilt. Remember what Peter had just done? He had denied knowing his Savior. And what did Jesus do? He pruned him. How did he do it? Remember, Jesus and the disciples, they were sitting down around the fire, and Jesus leans over to Peter and goes, hey, Pete, you love me? Well, of course I love you. You know I love you. Oh, okay. Hey, Pete, did I ask you, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And then one more time, Jesus said, Peter, you love me? And what does the Bible say? Peter was cut to the heart because he knew what had happened. Jesus pruned him. And you know what happened because of that? Jesus cut away the guilt. And what happened to Peter? Man, he continued to bear more fruit and more fruit and more fruit as the church of Jesus Christ was built upon him, right? So here's my question for you this morning. How does God prune you? How does he prune you? Well, sometimes through his word, sometimes maybe through a devotion. Sometimes it may be through somebody else coming and talking to you. But you know how God prunes me most of the time? My wife. My wife. I hate it when she does that. (laughs) But I want to tell you something. Nobody wants me to win more than Lori. She loves me. She's got my back. And she loves me enough that when she sees changes in my character or she sees me a little bit out of balance, which I'm really good at doing, you know what she does? She says, we need to talk about something. Oh, great. Here it comes. I know what she's going to do. And she tells me, when was the last day you took a day off? You haven't been around the family very much. Remember, we're your first responsibility, not the church. Yes, dear. I don't like to hear it. You know why? Because I know it's true. And I know that God loves me enough to use her to prune me because I know she's in the word of God. My friends, if you want to know the reason why God placed you on this earth, it's to do this to bear fruit, and not just any fruit, but much fruit. And when you bear that fruit, you will bring glory to your heavenly Father. So stop worrying about what your purpose is in life. Stop worrying about all of these things that you want to be. You know what you need to do? You simply need to stay connected to the vine. Now, how do you do that? Now we're getting swear. Take a look at this. You know how we can stay connected to the vine? through God's word, through worship, through partaking in Holy Communion. 
But it's more than that. It's about thinking about God. It's staying connected to him all throughout the day, wherever you may be. It looks like this. Hey, Lord, I got a meeting with Pastor Phil this morning. And you know what? We're going to talk about some pretty serious stuff. I'm not sure which direction you want to go. I just need to hear from you. It may be that when I come to a meal and I've had a rough morning and I stop and I say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to pause and I'm going to thank you for this meal. And during the afternoon, it's okay, Lord, I've got a few minutes here, but wow, man, I just really need to hear from you in this. That's what it means. It's just simply being connected with the Lord God all day. And as you do that, his promise is you will bear fruit. I want to close with this. In Psalm 37, verse 4, listen to what it says once again. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, when you take delight in the Lord, what that means is that you abide with him, you connect with him. And you know why he will give you the desires of your heart? Because they're no longer your desires, they're his. You see, when that life, that sap is running through you, that's God. That's God working in you to help you to become everything that he has called you to be. And now those desires that are in your heart, those are God's desires. And then what I say is, you go, girl. You go, boy. And you do what God has put on your heart to do because it's not what you want, it's what he wants. My dear friends in Christ, over these next several weeks, we're going to get a great opportunity to look like Jesus, and we're going to need to look like Jesus. And one of the reasons is, is if this Roe versus Wade gets overturned, you better expect a lot of things to happen. But this is where the church needs to be, the church. This is not about anything political. This is about our relationship with our Heavenly Father and being obedient to Him. And what God has called us to do as a church is this, just stay connected to the vine. And as you stay connected to the vine, the life of Jesus will flow through you and you will look just like him. And your fruit will bring comfort to the world. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible word that you've given to us. Thank you for reminding us, Father, of why you placed us on this earth. And that in placing us on this earth, as we stay connected to the vine, Lord, we know that you're going to do some incredible things through our lives. And we're going to bear fruit, and we're going to bear much fruit, Father, and bring glory to your name. God, that's my prayer today. I just want to bear fruit. I want to bear much fruit, and so I'm going to stay connected to the vine. Thank you ahead of time, Father, that everything that happens in my life, all of the fruit that, that I bear is not because of anything I've done. It's because of everything you've done in and through me. And for that, I say thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? And I want to dismiss you with the, with the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his joy and his strength. Go out and bear much fruit. Thank you. Have a great day. See you next week.